Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and today I have a super special host, a voice you have heard many other times, and I will let them introduce themselves. Hi, I am Magic Mark. You may have heard me on such episodes as Bringing the Magic of Magic to D&D and quite a few others. I believe I've been most guested on the Dungeon Master's Black. I think so, because if memory serves, we're up to seven or eight at this point in that series alone. That's not counting the other times that you have guested. I believe I have one more and I'll be at a dozen. Nice. If I count correctly. And we're actually going to talk about one of those times that wasn't the magic of magic. And instead it was episode number 110, Tales from Munchkin Land, featuring <laughs> you, hashtag Magic Mark. Yep. So for this one, I built DMnastics number 92, build it to break it. And essentially it was just kind of a place where the DMs on the forum could go and talk about either builds that they had built that were broken or builds that they had seen by their players that were broken. Just kind of a place to share general ideas and situational stories of when they had come up against the min-maxers of the world and their broken builds. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I was looking through the forum posts and the conversations that was had there. The one that stuck out to me, other than the one that you're about to bring up, Neil, which is the, probably the one that stuck out to me as well the most, <laughs> but uh, was from DM Caleb. He talked a lot about um, purchasing magical items and working the system as far as what's the most gold efficient to like buy and resell and then utilizing kind of metagamey techniques to defeat enemies in non-traditional ways. He rattles off a couple of books, and 3.5 has a lot of books, which is definitely the most munchkin-friendly edition as far as my experience goes, simply due to the volume of content. But he specifically mentions uh, dust of sneezing and choking, and you can use it basically to ruin boss encounters because you can just flap it at their face and it doesn't matter what their challenge rating is or anything like that. They start sneezing and choking and you can utilize that outside of initiative and things like that. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit more about that, I think, after. But like you said, manipulating and kind of cheesing a scenario is definitely what DM Windhover demonstrated for us. And this is fifth edition and it may it's a very simple eight step process to murdering anything ever. <laughs> Well, pretty much anything. There's a couple caveats, but for the most part. Step one, be a sorcerer. Maximize your charisma. Step two, reach level seven. Step three, have both spells fly and polymorph. Step four, use heightened spell to cast polymorph on whatever major enemy you're facing. This will give it disadvantage on its wisdom save, and that's the only reason that they're saying that a sorcerer is better than a wizard, and then you turn it into a mouse or something similar. Step five, cast fly on yourself. Step six, fly straight up for five minutes. Step seven, drop the poor mouse from 6,000 feet in the air. And then essentially the way that fifth edition works is that when polymorph happens, if the polymorphed creature is reduced to zero, it will revert to its normal form with hit points it had before it was polymorphed. And the excess damage that is sitting around, um, which on average of a 6,000 foot fall would be 2,100 damage, will then go to the 
unpolymorphed form. And that is when you can complete step eight. Fly back down before concentration ends. Land triumphant in the goo, which was once your foe. There it is. Yeah, as far as 5e goes, I don't think there's anything with more than a thousand health. I may be, I'm not well versed in the newer published material, but I know health pools are smaller. I think Tarask even is. Yeah. It, I think the the Tarask, in the hundreds, not yeah, the, the Tarask standard is under a thousand for sure. Yeah, so double more than maximum is gonna get you where you want to be pretty much anytime. Yeah, and essentially the few things that are not able to have this happen are legendary creatures or things that have legendary actions that can choose to succeed on a failed save, or additionally something that is a shape changer and auto succeeds on polymorph spells that are cast against it. But for the most part, just about everything is going to have an issue with the scenario that was just presented. So be warned. If I was DMing that, I would probably let it happen once and then every encounter from there on out would have a ceiling. Can't fly up anymore, bro. So there's your solution to that problem. (laughs) Stretching that one, too. We're all going indoors. (laughs) You're indoors. You're in a cave. You're underground. There's plenty of places that have ceilings. Yep. All right. We've done it. We've got those two knocked out. So now it's time for you and me to lift the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Okay. I haven't pumped much DMI in a while, so. Okay. I'm a little rusty. So I'll I'll kick it off then. This is kind of similar to another post that um, DMX the TM was talking about building a, like kind of a tavern brawler style character, and that's what I did in Pathfinder, which I think would probably take the second spot right now for the crunchiest and most potential to build something that could fall into yep. the min max territory. So I built a brawler, which is a combination of the monk and the fighter, kind of the monk without like all the tenets of faith and things of that nature, and min-maxed it to just be able to punch things as hard as possible. One punch man. I had not even, as soon as you started saying it, I'm like, yeah, that is actually the perfect representation of this character. Mm -hmm. I really didn't have a lot of skills. I really didn't have a lot that I could do other than punch things. And I made this character not knowing the scenario we were going to play, and it ended up being a prison scenario. So then everyone already had their stuff taken away, which I didn't have any stuff. So I would just punch everything in this prison scenario. And so not only was I min-maxed both from like a character perspective, I was also min-maxed from a scenario's perspective as the least affected by what was going on. <laughs> so I felt bad and tried to make myself as... Because my intent with it was to be like the guy kind of hanging out in the back. And then when battles would come, like they would just deal with it. But it ended up being more battles than I thought. So I kind of tried to quite literally pull my punches so that I didn't take too much of the (laughs) the limelight once I figured out what was going on. Do you have any anecdotes for us, sir? Yes. I know. You were looking something out out of recorded (laughs) moment. I'm trying to remember a specific stack of templates you can do in 3.5 that build a character. You can give them like 40 strength and 25 decks right off the get-go. But I don't remember exactly what it is. And Google is not helping me right now. You can be a a primordial awakened warforged with like a giant on top of that. So you're 
large and one of those is like a negative template that offsets a positive one and so you start out as a zero mm-hmm. level adjustment to yeah, whatever because i don't want to spend the time digging for that i was hoping google would just give me that thing right off the top let me think of my most game-breaking chain of feats off the top of my head where's my binder with my old character yeah so i just found <laughs> i just found one okay good so speaking of template ones, they, there's another one that I kind of rem- that I kind of remember, where essentially you take a half ogre fighter, a hulking hurdler, and a war hulk. Essentially, it's focusing on the improvised damage chart at the back of the complete warrior book. Uh huh. Where essentially your carrying capacity works exponentially as you go up in strength. So at strength twenty, with the appropriate gear, you could lift over forty thousand pounds. <laughs> and then if you refer to the improvised weapon chart, it says that a 500 pound object deals 5d6 damage and every 200 pounds after that deals an additional 1d6. So then because you can lift essentially 40,000 pounds, you can get up to 5,000 damage with each throw. So, I mean, obviously the limitation is what what could you possibly have available that you're picking up at 40,000 pounds, but even reducing that down to something that's 1,000 pounds and you're throwing it every turn. Yeah, I think it's marginally more doable and just mortifying. Yeah, I just had an epiphany of one that go is system ambiguous at best Ooh. and requires only some gold and a lot of friends. I don't know if you've ever heard of the peasant railgun, but it's probably one yes. of my favorite D and D things ever. So the way it works is you get a whole bunch of peasants and or hirelings. Um, and you have them all get in a line and ready in action. And if you get a certain number of them, you can take a ladder post or just a pole or a spear and turn anything into siege equipment by having them all ready in action, which means each action takes place immediately following the other. And in a single round, which is six seconds long, you can get this post traveling at millions of miles per hour, depending on how many people you have lined up. And having this post or spear or whatever flying at, you know, the speed of light into buildings will just obliterate things like a railgun in modern times, which (laughs) is just a fascinating thing to envision. I imagine like a whole campaign built around like breaking into a castle and the characters are like, let's just get this whole village to line up and see what happens when we throw this pole at it. (laughs) That's so good. I love I love the peasant railgun. I mean, obviously, you're only going to get away with this once. The limitation I would have is the peasant that once it's going fast enough, how are they being able to react and can they roll to see if they can react quick enough to assist it? Additionally, the ammunition that you're using, how much could it actually with like sustain during this process? But I mean, if I was a DM, I'd totally let my players get away with it once because I'm just like, yeah, I see. I get it. Okay. Peasant Railgun. Peasant Railgun. <laughs> the other thing, which is actually something I've used in 3.5 when I built a tank character, whose whole point was enduring damage. Uh, I played a, a Crusader from the Tome of Battle, mm-hmm. which had maneuvers and stances that were all about, like, if you do damage, then you heal yourself and the people around you. In addition to this, the character was a half-troll, so he had regeneration. And I found a feat that you could take multiple times. And each time you took it, the only requisite was having toughness 
and a constitution of 20, which this character had after level 1. And it gives you a damage reduction of 2, and each instance of this feat stacks. So every time I got a feat as the character, I gained 2 more damage reduction. So by the time we got to late game, I had like a damage reduction of like 19 <laughs> from different feats and equipment, and I was regenerating 5 health per round in addition to any damage that I dealt would create healing on myself and those around me. So I had this virtually indestructible character. A lot similar to tanks and like video games where like you're constantly healing damage that's being dealt to you and that's how you you don't get destroyed by it. You can't get like bursted down kind of thing. But he was probably one of my favorite characters. He was also a troll that carried a hammer that had a keg of beer as the the head of the hammer. Uh-huh. That's awesome. And his last name was Pub Wielder and he kept on just smashing people and he would have drinks during the battle and it would make him stronger. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Drunkenness also can give you a damage reduction in certain situations. Oh, that's right. So I know you had kind of hinted at it, and it is definitely a thing that is prevalent through all editions, in my personal opinion, is that you know, DM Caleb brought up the idea of purchasing magic items. If you leave that wide open, things will get broken at some point, one point or another, because essentially every tool could potentially fit the right scenario in a way that you don't appreciate as a DM. (laughs) One of the ones that I found that I remember, and this is potentially something that could happen in any edition again, but the candle of invocation, where essentially you could summon an extra planar being that grants multiple wishes. One of the wishes, namely your first one, is to wish for another candle of invocation. (laughs) And then using the other wishes accordingly. I mean, obviously, once your players start to do that enough, they're playing with enough fire and hopefully you as the DM can start to work around their wishes and make it where it's not quite as beneficial for them. But I know that is one where essentially it is the ability to wish for more wishes because you're not wishing for wishes. You're just wishing for an item that happens to give you more wishes. (laughs) So I know the other way around it, and this is how I approach my game, is that when I build a town, I just randomly roll the magic items that will exist there. Um, And on somewhat of a regular basis in terms of the length of time that the town exists, I will re-roll magic items. Or if my players buy some of those magic items, I will re-roll and replace it essentially to fit the economy level that the town is supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Another item that I've actually used in-game is... Uh, early on in my play, I enchanted two rugs that would teleport to each other, kind of like Nightcrawler rugs. Mm. And those would often, we would get like put in jail or something, and I would just take the rug and put it through the bars and then step on the other one, and there I am outside of prison. Um, and this could also work in your in the, um, the fly up really high in the air and drop a bad guy from super high. Because you can fly really high up in the air, and as long as you get the bad guy to walk on the rug, and the other one's with you, he's teleported thousands, if not more, feet in the air. So then you don't even have to have him make a save. He just steps on the rug and thing happens, which was one thing. I've never been able to actually pull that off, but we definitely used it to get out of plenty of hairy situations because we had a character who could fly. Mm. And we were just like, you, run away and throw the rug down. And then I would throw the rug out down him. Teleport, and then like one durable character might pick up the rug and run off. But eh, yeah, I would say as long as one can get away, we can all get away. Yes, exactly. And there was a few times where we uh, had to let one rug go, but then you just have to spend the gold and get a replacement. Yep. 
I think another, I mean, yeah. And then another thing is, and again, Caleb referencing it, and I think you actually had mentioned it when you were chatting with Mitch, and it's a thing where you limit the number of books that are available um, because of the feet trees and combinations that can happen, especially once you start dipping into third party or those ones that were really long in the tooth um, for 3.5. And this could eventually start happening with fifth edition. Uh, You just limit the number of books. And a good way to look at it is what is allowed in Adventurers League because that they try and balance that more for competitive, not well, potentially competitive play as well as just random groups of people getting together. That's why most characters that can fly at first level because of their physical attributes aren't allowed and things like that. So that's always a good place to look as a standard of what, what are they not allowing and why are they not allowing it? Maybe I shouldn't allow it either. Yeah. Cause I've got that guy. Yeah. And that does happen with lots of the more crunchy systems. And fifth right now is in its infancy. And it seems like they're trying to keep that under control a Definitely. lot better than it was with like 3.5. I remember like hundreds of issues of Dragon Magazine worth of information and also Dungeon Magazine, but that was more environment kind of stuff as far as I recall. And you could just, eventually the rules got so elaborate that you weren't able to compare and contrast everything against everything to find those uh, broken yeah. things. So players found them instead. Yep. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in my personal experience, I think the one class that I've seen get away with some of the craziest and most broken things is the bard. Because I think there's just a general assumption that they're not very good. And uh-huh. then the person lines up the right stats, especially once it's charisma based and the fact that you can pepper in some illusionary magic and then just this general mix of skills and you line them all up and then the bard gets away literally with murder. I've had that in one scenario where they murdered someone and then they're like, nah, 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 it wasn't me. It was this guy. And then it's just like, it was that guy. Let's get him. Definitely charisma characters are the ones that can talk their way out of anything. Um, and bards are exemplary of that. I'll have to confess, in my play experience, none of my play group, myself included, has ever played a bard. Whoa. So we have never witnessed a bard at the table. Part of that is because Mitch has always implored people to um, do, if you're going to be a bard and you have an instrument, that means you have to bring and role play playing the instrument to D&D. That's awesome. And none of us are all that musically inclined. (laughs) That is awesome and a deterrent. Yeah. So there was one time where I tried to do like come up with a bard that was non-musical, more of like a storyteller. And then I realized I wasn't that creative and my charisma is not that high. So I couldn't do it. And then we kind of moved on to other things. That's awesome. I've actually seen that recently. There's an actual play online called Girls Guts Glory. And uh-huh. one of the characters is a bard and plays music at the table. Yeah. And that's really cool if you're someone who can pull that kind of thing off. Yeah. People at my table, not so much. Paladin uh, <laughs> Caleb, not a musician, and his booming loud voice would not be a benefit in that regard. <laughs> Disadvantage on all bard <laughs> So I, I've heard stories, much like the one you just shared, of a murder happening and... Uh, the guy charming his way out of it. And I've played characters of the like sorcerer and thief variety that mm-hmm. rely heavily on charisma that have talked their way out of things that they should not. But as far as bards go, I can't personally attest to that. Crazy. Yeah. And then 
thief and sorcerer are probably right up there because you can eventually those pure damage classes you can start to line th- again line things up in mm-hmm. a way that is yeah and the amount of damage that you can line up is just astronomical at times, yeah especially once you get into sneak attack scenarios or delayed spell scenarios and things like that yeah com- combining a uh, a thiefy rogue with a sorcerer and getting sneak attack on your eldritch blast Oof. would be quite the combo yeah. I think I've I've written one of those out on paper that uh, utilized a lot of Eldritch blast molding and changing. So it was like a fireball that got sneak attack damage on a large group of enemies. Oh, no way. So that was probably one of my favorite things that I could do. Was I threw an effective fireball out and boom, sneak attack damage on top of fireball. Crazy. All right. Well... I think we've done it, unless you can think of anything else, sir. Uh, I think I'm a little bit dry on my gymnastics at this point. Okay, we're good to go. So then the next question that I get to pose to you is, where can people go to find you on ye old internet? I, uh, I believe I'm making another DM's block appearance in the near future. I believe so, too. I believe so, too. <laughs> That's somewhere on the schedule. And then you can always find me on Twitter at real underscore ricks and... Yeah, I post often on the DMnastics Twitter. I know, I've seen so it. I'm loving them. Yeah, every time I see one, I'm like, ah, let's give this a try. And it's it's been fun. I try to be the most humorous person of all the threads, which sometimes Perfect. I succeed. Other times, I'm flat out of funny ideas. So it turns into <laughs> just a normal one. And then as far as that goes, the best way to get a hold of me is contacting DMs Block. And Mitch and or the other hosts will get a hold of me. Through time. Through time and memoriam. Ooh, yeah. Perfect. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at dmnastics at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at dmnastics. And then like Mark mentioned, we have daily dmnastics that you can interact with. And we have also resolved to have a contest for every hundred followers that we have. So we have one. Well, it'll end, so I won't talk about it. But yeah, that <laughs> will happen. And if for some reason you felt compelled to follow me, it is at Jotmoniac, which you can find a link to my Twitter on the DMnastics Twitter. And for everything else on the network, you can head over to BlockPartyPodcastNetwork.com. But above all that, I want to implore you, the listener, to join up on our forums and take part in these challenges and exercises, as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to the Dungeon Masters block at dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some diagnostics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Oh, I could barely lift my right arm because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting, I did over a thousand. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. <laughs> <laughs>